This is a presentation from Narara Valley Baptist Church, a church that's desperate for God and passionate for people. So I'd like to again offer a warm welcome to everyone who's in the auditorium and to those who are online, welcome this morning. As you uh, have gathered, um, my name is Brad Jones. I'm one of the elders with, uh, with Brian and Wayne and, uh, and I've put my hand up to, uh, to preach this morning. Um, as you look at this lectern, as I have done year after year, I wonder if you notice that it's actually on a slope and <laughs> it has annoyed me for year after year. One day, someone with talent, with um, uh, ability in, in metal work would actually be able to straighten this thing up, but it just... Now I've said it, you won't be able to take your eyes off it, right? <laughs> so, it's, yeah, it's crooked. <laughs> so, um, anyway, um, I'm going to call uh, Ian Berry up, and he's going to read, uh, do our Bible reading for us. And uh, just, just as he comes up, and Georgia is his biggest fan, um, I'd just like to give you a little bit of a background on, um, on the reading he's about to do. Um, the readings will be up on the, uh, on the, the overhead, but uh, he, he'll be reading from Matthew 25, um, 14 through to 30, and it is the parable of the talents. Now, he'll be reading for the, from the NIV, and the NIV actually calls, calls it the parable of the bags of gold. But in the original, uh, in, in the Greek, and uh, it was uh, the bags of gold were actually called talents. And a little bit of a, of a background to that is that um, a talent... Um, is a large sum of money. And uh, in, the word used in this parable is actually the word that we've actually got in our English, English language, that uh, we talk about someone having a talent with music or a talent with business or um, talent with something else. That word talent actually comes from this parable. And uh, a talent is a large sum of money. How large? Well, uh, it's estimated it's about 20 years worth of a labourer's wage. Now, I'm going to convert that into a, an Australian value. So, 20 years of an Australian labourer's wage would add up to about $1.1 million, one talent. Okay, and you'll see that uh, people are given various levels or various amounts of talent. So, that's an Australianised the value. So, Ian, over to you. Good morning, everyone. All right. If you've, uh, if you've got a Bible that has the red letters in it, you'll find that this entire passage that I'm going to read is in red because this is entirely the words of Jesus. And Jesus says, Again, it'll be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags and to another one bag, each according to his ability. And then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once to work, to, sorry, to put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, 
Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you have entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gathered where I have not scattered seed? Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. For whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Thank you very much, Ian. So, we have um, two servants. No, we have three servants. Two servants used the money and gained more. And one did not. When Jesus focuses our attention on the whole point of this parable, he makes a statement which to us might seem a little bit strange. He says, For whoever has will more be given, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. What Jesus is explaining here is God's economy. God's economy actually works a little bit different sometimes than what we might like or what we might think. That's a, a statement which I want us to really focus on this morning. And um, when we think about it, okay, here's a teaching from the Lord. Something that happens in Scripture is that if the Lord really wants us to get a point, he'll repeat it. Sometimes in the same way, sometimes in a slightly different way. And these words here, are they repeated anywhere else in Scripture? The answer is yes. And there's another parable uh, which Jesus told. It's the parable of the meaners. Now, the parable looks in many ways similar to the parable of the talents. But it is very clearly different because it has a number of, of um, significant um, differences that, uh, that, say, that say that Jesus told this parable a second time or, or in a different way, the same, with the same message or a similar message. And um, so a mina is, again, it's a value, it's a, it's a quantity of money, but it's equivalent to about three months' wages. And again, if we convert that into Australian terms, it's probably around $16,000, $18,000 at best. Okay, now with this parable of the meaners, there was a, a, a man of royalty uh, and he was about to be crowned king. 
But before he's crowned king, he calls ten servants in to his, uh, into his presence and he gives them one mina each, which is different to the parable of the talents. They got different, given different quantities. Each of these servants got given one mina, which is not a huge amount of money. But his instructions were, go and use this, invest it, and I'll see what happens when I return. Now, the, royal, uh, the man of royal birth went off to some place unknown, but uh, that's where he was crowned king. And when he came back as king, he called his ten servants together. Why did he give the servants this quantity of money? The, there is a definite reason why he gave them money to invest with the instructions, but the, we're going to see the reason for it very soon. Let me read the parable. I'm going to take it up from the point where the king returns. It says, He was made king, however, and returned home. And then he sent for the servants to whom he had given the money in order to find out what they had gained with it. The first one came and said, Sir, your mina has earned ten more. Well done, my good servant, his master replied. Because you have been trustworthy in a very small matter, take charge of ten cities. The second came and said, Sir, your mina has earned five more. His master answered, You take charge of five cities. Then another servant came and said, Sir, here is your mina. I have kept it laid away in a piece of cloth. I was afraid of you because you're a hard man. You take what you did not put in and reap what you did not sow. His master replied, I will judge you by your own words, you wicked servant. You knew, did you, that I'm a hard man, taking what I did not put in and reaping what I did not sow? Why then didn't you put my money on deposit so when I came back, I could have collected it with interest? Then he said to those standing by, take his mina away from him and give it to the one who has ten minas. Sir, they said, he already has ten. Now I'm just going to pause for a moment. The Australian nature in us is we want to make everyone even. We want to, you know, if someone's got a lot, we want to take it from that person and give it to this person. Okay, that's sort of like a fair thing. That's what was being said here. But keep in mind that this is not actually about wealth. God's heart is for the poor. And he gives very, very clear instructions that the poor are to be looked after. So this is not about rich and poor. This is about faithfulness with what's given. So I'll take it up again. Sir, they said... He already has 10. And he replied, I tell you that everyone who has, more will be given. But as for the one who has nothing, even what, he ha even what they have will be taken away from them. The teaching is repeated. I'd like to go back just a little bit to a previous parable that Jesus told and a quote from that parable is this. Whoever can be trusted with very little can be trusted with much and whoever is dishonest with very little will be dishonest with much this is a hint at why the king gave the meaners out why he gave that money to invest it was a test of faithfulness 
one mina, when it was dealt with properly, which is not a, a large amount, it was dealt with properly, it was, it was invested, what did that servant end up with? Ten cities. One mina, ten cities. That's a heck of a reward. Another servant who gained five minas, he got five cities to be in charge of. But the one who did nothing lost what he had. Those who can be trusted with little can be trusted with much. This is a bit of a walk through some parables I think you'll find this morning. But it all gets tied together. I'm going to go to the parable of the sower now. And um, it's found in Matthew chapter 13, 1 to 23. Now, we as a church are very familiar with the parable of the sower. It's been something that has been a theme for us over the past number of years. And uh, just to recap, the, the sower is a farmer who goes out and sows seed. And he throws seed around. And some of the seed ends up on rocky ground. Some ends up on thorny ground. And some ends up in good soil. And various things happen with that. The disciples come to him and say, Lord, what does the parable mean? And, um, and Jesus gives them the explanation of how the, the parable of the, of the, the sower or the seed is, is like the gospel and what people do with the gospel. And we concentrate on that, um, how people respond to the seed and where the seed goes. And that's, you know, a main point of the parable, but... Something we may never have noticed. What's sandwiched in between? Jesus telling the parable to the Jews, to a crowd of Jews, and Jesus giving his explanation to his close disciples. What's in between that? Let's have a look. The disciples came to him and asked, why do you speak to the, to the people in parables? He replied, because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven have been given to you but not to them whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance and whoever does not have even what they have will be taken from them this is why i speak to them in parables though seeing they do not see though hearing they do not hear or understand in them is fulfilled the prophecy of isaiah you will be ever hearing and never understanding You'll be ever seeing, seeing, but never perceiving. For this people heart, people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears. They, heart, they, they have closed their eyes. Otherwise they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn. And I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes because you see. Blessed are your ears because you hear. For I tell you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, but did not see it, and hear what you hear, and did not hear it. So why, did the, why were the disciples chosen to get this understanding? It's because they were responsive. They were following Jesus because they wanted to walk in obedience to him. 
They wanted to hear his message and put into action what he was saying. Receptiveness is the difference. So being able to hear the message and do something with it was why the disciples got that extra explanation. The Israelites as a whole could have at any time sought Jesus and found out what it meant if they had ears to hear and eyes to see. It was there for them. But interestingly enough, the hardness of their heart put God's economy into action. What's God's economy? Whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. For the Jews, they have a history. They'd wander from God, they'd wander from his teaching and God would send prophets to tell them what's going on. And what would happen is they would have deaf ears. They don't want to hear that. It's inconvenient. We have to change what we're doing. So there was inaction. The response to God's word to them was inaction. And what happens after inaction? It graduates to refusal to do what God is calling them to do. Refusal graduates to denial that it was ever said. And then lying. Lying about who the person was sent was that was sent. Lying about God never sent anyone. Just lying. Have you ever wondered what the lowest point is that people can get to when this line is followed? Well, unfortunately, there were some people who could demonstrate that. And they did. When Jesus was casting out demons, um, some Jews, some um, people who should have known better, some um, teachers of the law, came and said, he's casting out demons by Beelzebul, the prince of demons. In other words, they're saying that Jesus was working for Satan. Now, they knew that wasn't the case. But they said it. For whatever reason, to guard their power base or whatever reason it was, they knew the truth and denied it. What was Jesus' response to that? He said this, Whoever speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven in this world or the next. What is the unforgivable sin? This is it. If the work of the Holy Spirit is to reveal truth, the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of truth. If knowingly people call the spirit of truth the revelation that the spirit has given if they call that a lie if they deny that it's the truth and knowingly say it's wrong where can you go from that how can that be forgiven jesus said it can't be now putting these three parables together and seeing the very very clear links of that statement which is whoever has will be given more and they will be given, they will have an abundance whoever does not have even what they have will be taken from them now i pl- 
pondered that for quite a while. And um, maybe some things begin to drop into place. Maybe as I'm speaking now, you're thinking, oh, okay, that makes a bit of sense with such and such a situation. I, I was um, pondering the scriptures and, um, and came across a situation which I thought, yeah, this really makes sense in, in, in this particular situation. Let me explain it to you. Um, Neil and Judy Harris uh, have been a, a friends of Jen and I for, for many, many years. And um, we have lots and lots of conversations. But um, there was one conversation which we had uh, with Neil that made me think. And I just want to give you a little bit of background to, to Neil. Neil is a, uh, has a doctorate in marriage and family therapy studies. He's been a counsellor for over 28 years and he is highly sought after. Um, people walk through his doors, individuals and couples walk through the door, Christian and non-Christian. He's not just a counsellor for Christian people, so he has... The, the full gamut of, of people walk through his door. And um, in this conversation, Neil said that Christian couples are by far the hardest to counsel. They have the poorest outcomes. And if separation takes place, post-marriage separation, it often has the poorest outcomes as well. They refuse to get on the um there's just a just a mess and that is christians versus non-christians and i was going what how can that be christian people have been given the message of grace they've been forgiven they've got the message of forgiveness how can they not show that to each other Well, that's exactly the point. It would have started off somehow in the marriage relationship with an argument and instead of resolving it, unforgiveness takes place. Ungrace. Refusal to, uh, to forgive, refusal to resolve. And that refusal builds up and up. It starts off simple and it gets repeated over and over again what happens is that people who know the message and should know better are ignoring that message ignoring the very thing that they've been given and not applying it in their own lives now Peter disciple Peter came up to Jesus and said Jesus how many times are we going to forgive people up to seven times and he was taken aback when Jesus said 70 times 7. Whoa. Forgiveness is, Jesus is really saying forgiveness is almost unending. In the Lord's Prayer, Jesus told us, he, he taught us to pray and he said, as we should pray, forgive us our sins as we forgive others. And when Jesus had finished giving the Lord's Prayer, he said, almost immediately after he said we are to forgive others if we don't forgive our father won't forgive us what's actually happening in that situation with the, the, the Christian couples is that they are in that situation 
where they have made bad choices. Refusal to forgive, which starts off simple but gets repeated. So what happens, even what they have, the statement, will be taken from them. They're in a worse position than if they hadn't known the Lord because of hardness of heart and refusal. And doesn't that echo what happened to the Israelites? God's own people who had the message of salvation, who had the message of grace, death, didn't want to hear, don't tell me. And what happens is in Jesus, as in Jesus' day, the message is there, but it fades. Its meaning becomes meaningless. And eventually, it's lost. I want to give just a, a word of caution here. In a situation of marriage where there is abuse, and um, often the abuser will ask forgiveness, and the abuse cycle will go over and over again. I'm not saying that someone should, should be in a situation and allow that abuse cycle to take place. If you or anyone online is in that situation, you need to seek good counselling. And sometimes separation might be needed for uh, an unresolved abuse situation. So um, forgiveness is not meant to perpetuate that abuse cycle. So what do we learn from this? When God gives us something, when God gives us knowledge or understanding, he expects us to use it. When God gives us talents, money or talent in some other form, he expects us to use it. Why? Because ultimately, look at what happens when people use what they are given. Every time there is blessing, every time there is blessing. God gives us opportunities, gives us gifts, gives us talents to use them. And he does that just like the king. Who's going to be faithful? I want to reward that faithfulness. The title of the sermon you may have um, seen it at the beginning is called Use It or Lose It. And it struck me as I um, wrote that title, that's actually um, occurs in our own physical world um, muscles if you use muscles you will um, the muscles actually build up and increase but if you don't use muscles they will decrease and the extreme example of that is um, astronauts which go into space if they go to the space station um, they can be in microgravity for about a year and what happens when they come back they can't even walk because the muscles largely have wasted away. Now, they will do a lot to try and avoid that. There was a learning process to, to try and get the muscles to work, but even so, even with all that they do, it's not the same as, as gravity on Earth. So they, um, the, waste, the muscle wastage is one of the reasons they can't walk. Now, eventually, they, of course, they, they uh, will walk again, or they do walk again days, weeks later or whatever. But um, it also made me uh, add a bit of a chat to Josh, our resident uh, physio, and uh, Nathan Wood. Um, I think you guys would agree. Nathan, use it or lose it. Fair thing to say. Right, even with our muscles. 
Use it or lose it. So, um, okay. I'd like to look at some positive examples. And um, the first positive example I hope we've all experienced. And I'm going to use myself as an example. Um, Now, um, when I first became a Christian, this is what I'm going back to, before I became a Christian, I I heard the message of the gospel. I um, understood it, or I thought I understood it. And I thought, yep, um, I'm going to to give my life to the Lord. Now, it's a lot more involved than that, but let me just say this is uh, by purpose of example. Okay, I I decided that that, um, the Lord, I I was going to ask him to forgive my sins and to come into my life and be my boss, my Lord. And I thought I knew what I was doing when I did that. Um, It's a little bit like... um, I had an image, and it's like a two-dimensional black and white image. That's what I knew before I became a Christian. But once I walked through that door, something happened. In the days, the weeks, and the years that followed, what I thought I knew actually became like a three-dimensional colour version. The Lord opened up my eyes to see what it really meant. And I now understand far, far more about what it means to be a Christian, to what it means to be a son of God in his family. I know that now, but I had to walk through that door first. So the initial response to what God gave me, as I responded to that, then he opened up. And I hope that's your experience too, that you understand a whole lot more about what it means to be a Christian now that you've done it than what you did before. You gave your life to the Lord. Um, just another example is that, oh no, before I, before I say that, now, when it, when it comes to responding to the Lord, one of the things that, that we might think is, okay, what's the Lord given to me? What if I start on a journey? What if I start on doing something and it's wrong? It's not really what God's told me to do. Let me just say that God knows your heart. And if you, in all honesty, say, I think this is where God's taken me, I'll, I'll go that direction. God knows your heart and he will actually redirect you. So don't be afraid of stepping out and uh, and starting on something you think God's leading into because God knows and he will will lead you. I just want to give a a couple more examples of of positive responses like the two bags, like the five talents and the two talents and the the ten meters. Now, just last week, Brian Solomon, um, the chairperson of our elders, Um, gave a sermon he had no intention of giving that sermon a week before Um, as it were as it turned out um, a preacher couldn't the one that was organized couldn't do it because of COVID and uh, Brian felt the Lord was saying to him hey maybe it's your turn to to step up and Brian said yes and so uh, he stepped up and and um, preached last week and I thought it was a wonderful sermon he talked about Isaiah 43, about the Lord doing a new thing and uh, that new thing in our church. So, um, so thank you very much, Brian, for stepping up. Um, I think we're all blessed by that. Now, quite a few years ago, there was a, um, I guess, a, a, a move in our church to need to raise money because the, in those who don't know, the, this auditorium is relatively new because the roof fell in of the previous church 
and, uh, and we needed finances to, uh, to um, reconstruct. And uh, there's a, a story that goes with that, and I'm going to hand it over to, uh, to Karen Wardlaw. Now, Karen would have been here to tell it in person, but um, she's actually, she and Gary are actually up at Tamworth with her sister at the moment. And I'm very glad for that because they've had, like many people, um, COVID has affected the visit many, many times. So they finally made it this weekend. So Karen, as you watch this, I'm glad you're there. And, uh, and thank you for giving us your testimony. So I'm just going to hand it over now to Karen as she um, will be on the video. So if you can give your eyes to that, please. About... 11 years ago now, I remember listening to a sermon by Pastor Craig and he was, was talking about um, just listening to the promptings of the Holy Spirit and uh, particularly in terms of um, gifts and using our gifts for God. And um, it, was, it was during the time to build um, project that had been launched and um, Gary and I as a family we had already made that decision to increase our tithing um, and I just felt there was more that we could do and I just wasn't really sure what and I remember as Craig um, led us into a time of prayer I remember putting my hands out and just saying I'm here God I'm, I'm here I'm available use me and the the prompting that I got was Zumba and I just remember I dismissed it and I said I'm I'm here use me and I just that idea just was really quite firmly lodged in my my mind uh, and I remember just thinking what a crazy idea and and how could our sovereign God um, um, be honored through Zumba <laughs> Um, but you know, I, I talked about it with Gary, and um, he said, "Well, why not?" And um, you know, what would that look like? And what's stopping you? And that's always a really good question to ask. And, and for me, it was time. I was working full time, and um, I was working part time in the gym. And um, so, together, we said, "Okay, well, how how can we?" Um, remove some of those barriers and so I decided to um, give up teaching one of um, my, my classes at the gym and volunteer instead to teach um, a local class um, of Zumba and um, we held those classes in Niagara Park Public School Hall uh, for over a year and all of the money went to uh, the Time to Build project and it was really really exciting it was, I was doing something I loved um, I felt like um, it was a great service for our community as well. I've very, always been very passionate about, um, you know, encouraging people to um, be well and be healthy. Um, I think that's really important when we, we look at wanting to utilise our gifts and our, ourselves for God. Um, and it was, it was an exciting time when... Um, we talked more about, well, how can we um, build on this? We decided over time that I would um, stop teaching at the gym. So over the course of the next five years, I dropped 
five classes at the gym until I was no longer working there and I was full-time um, volunteering and fitness at, at NVBC was by then firmly established and um, being able to run those classes in our new church space was just so exciting um, to hear um, people from our local community come into our space and say I don't know what it is but I feel so safe in this space. Uh, safe was a word that so many participants used, it was wonderful. Um, to, to have people go, I can't believe I'm coming to church, you know, it was 9.30 on a Saturday but you know they were there and um, there were many wonderful conversations um, that, that sparked from that. Um, people asking, you know, what's it mean to be desperate for God? Fabulous, um, rich time of blessing for me, uh, as well as, as the, the ministry itself. Um, we had the beautiful um, Jackie Skelton and Laura Moya come on board with us and um, start teaching some of the classes because there was a real demand for it and I couldn't keep up. Um, and this is the 11th year that that ministry is now, now going and um, while I can't uh, contribute to, to the teaching of those classes anymore. Um, Jackie and Laura are both two beautiful women with um, servant hearts who I'm sure had their own moment where they put their hands out and they said, I'm, I am available, God, use me. Um, so I really just want to encourage people, um, if you are sitting in that space where you think, well, what could I have that's worth? What could I have that could be useful? And pray into that because God will and can use anything. And I just wanted to also just have a, a shout out of thanks to my incredible husband, Gary, who um, came along and set up the sound and the headsets and the music and was there. Um, and my children who came and um, looked after parents, kids, so that they could exercise and um, helped with paperwork and greeting people and it was a family ministry uh, for us and there was 10 years when my children grew up understanding that this is what we do we find our gifts and we serve God and um, that's a, a beautiful thing as well um, so if I can encourage you at all just put your hands out and adopt that attitude of prayer and say God I'm here I'm willing I'm available use me in any way you see fit and then um, have the courage to, to follow through with that because it will bring you wonderful rewards um, as well as blessings for our Heavenly Father. Thank you so much, Karen. It's a wonderful testimony. I've been to the, the boxing classes here, um, often with Pastor Craig because we'd have a meeting and uh, at the elders' meeting. We, after the meeting, we'd come here and we'd, we'd do our boxing together with, uh, with Karen. She'd, uh, she'd run us ragged. It was a... Uh, wonderful ministry and the Lord's uh, really taken and, and used um, that that heart, that willing heart of Karen and Gary and the family and, uh, and has blessed us as a church because of it and as you can see Karen herself and Gary are blessed because they did it. So here we are, we've heard the message, what are we going to do with it? For people who have not yet given their lives to the Lord, not get, yet given your life to the Lord, maybe you've heard this message over and over again. 
And you said to yourself, there'll always be another day. There'll always be another day. I'll do it tomorrow, I'll do it next week, I'll do it next year. Is there another day? That message which you have, which you know is in your heart, which you have, the Lord has revealed to you, if you don't respond to that message when you know and you understand it, then what will happen is that message is going to become harder and harder to respond to. It's going to become softer and softer and eventually it may well disappear. So is today the day where you do something about it? Remember the Israelites thought they could put it off and it certainly didn't work in their favour. As for most of us in this room who know the Lord and we're his sons and daughters, you realise that all of us have been given talents or meaners, large or small, and we all have opportunities. Are we going to take up those opportunities? Are we going to listen to the Lord and say, you know, Lord, what do you want me to do? Are we going to take that up? Is there forgiveness which you know you should be giving and you haven't? Hey, remember the Lord said, if you don't forgive, neither will your Father forgive you. The message is pretty serious. It's serious for those who do nothing and it's an enormous blessing for the faithful who actually respond. Remember Brian's um, preaching last week, Isaiah 43. God is going to be doing a new thing. There's opportunities now, but I believe in the next year, in a couple of years, there's going to be a whole new thing that God is going to be doing in this place. Next week we have our associate pastor starting, Johnny. And Johnny, as you're looking at this, we're looking forward to you starting. But I'm sure Johnny's going to be asking people to perhaps be in or lead home groups. You know, opportunities. Our senior pastor will start hopefully sometime this year. Many, many more opportunities will happen. Are you ready? Are you wanting to take it on? Faithful with little, the Lord said, you'd be faithful with much. It's possible to do nothing, but nothing's a dangerous place. If you're in the place where you think you really need to give your life to the Lord, we're going to be praying in a little while. And I'd like you to pray along with me. If you're in a place where you are a son or daughter of the Lord, and uh, you may be feeling a prompting of the Lord saying, I want you to do this or that. We're going to be praying in a minute. I want you to commit that to the Lord. If you don't know what the Lord is calling you into, pray and ask him, like Karen did, and see what it is the Lord wants you to do. One thing I know, and one thing we've seen in these passages, that for those who are faithful, God will never fail to bless. You know, that's, as Craig would say, that's his default position. He wants to bless us. All he needs is a faithful heart, a heart that's willing to say yes. Can we bow our heads and let's pray together?
there's going to be a couple of different opportunities in prayer. The first one is, uh, if you're in that place where you've um, never given your life to the Lord, you've heard that Jesus had pays, has paid the price for your sin, you've heard that he wants you to ask him for forgiveness, you've heard that he wants you to hand your life over to him and make him boss, make him Lord. That's the point I struggled with and I figured if the Lord who created the, the whole universe and runs the universe and loved me enough to die for me on the cross, then I reckon I can trust him with my life. That's what I had to come to. So I'm encouraging you today, don't put it off. Do it today. Pray this prayer with me. If you're here in the auditorium or you're online, I'm going to pray a prayer with pauses and you might want to pray this prayer with me. Dear Lord, I admit that I've done lots and lots of things wrong. I've sinned. I ask you to forgive me for those wrong things. I ask you to be Lord of my life. Be in charge. Teach me and lead me for the rest of my life. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you've heard my prayer. Thank you that you now call me your son or daughter, and thank you that you've given me eternal life with you. And now we're going to spend a few minutes, if you already are, are a son or daughter of the king, I'd like you to spend a few minutes now to ask him, what small thing does he want you to do? Or maybe, what big thing does he want you to do? I'm just going to give the next minute over to you for you to be praying to him and asking him and be ready to hear. Thank you, Lord, that you've heard our prayers. Lord, we know that you are looking for people to be faithful, to say, yes, I'll do what it is, big or small. Thank you, Lord, that you've heard our prayers. In Jesus' name, amen. This has been a presentation from Narara Valley Baptist Church, a church that's desperate for God and passionate for people. To continue the conversation, we invite you to join us Sundays at 9.30am and 5pm or on our website at www.nvbc.info.